Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin', and we've got a special one for you today. Um, so many times I like to, you know, really kind of highlight specific restaurants, specific chefs. Today we're kind of focusing more on a topic, and that's something that I'm really, really interested in and really passionate about, and that's the the topic of, of mentoring and the importance of mentorship in the restaurant industry. I think I've got two perfect individuals to speak on that topic. Uh, I've got Glenn Wheeler, the executive chef at Spencer's for Steaks and Chops, and Danny Flores, the sous chef at the Boiler Room. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank it's a you. pleasure to be here. Glenn, I, I want to start with you, and A, just to ask you a question, and B, so we can identify voices here. Um, you are, and you've been on the podcast once before, we talked about your career. You are very well established. You're one of the culinary pillars of the Omaha restaurant scene, a man who has mentored and brought along more chefs than we have time to even name on this podcast, I feel like. In your eyes, how important is the role of mentoring in the restaurant industry and cooking in general? Uh, I think it's very important. Um, I mean, it's important for so many reasons. Um, it's important for the future of our industry, for sure, um, to make sure that it keeps growing and um, continues to uh, continues to grow and be strong. And um, also... Uh, just on a on a on a business aspect, um, you know, as far as you know, if you're if you're mentoring and uh, bringing the the right work values and stuff into uh, the workplace, um, it helps the overall uh, you know to re- retain retain um, labor, mm-hmm. um, a lot of things like that, um, especially when you get um younger people coming up that they they really really you know their heart is man I want to do this you know and if they don't get um in the right situation or with with the right kitchen chef what have you um it could be detrimental to their future uh or they just you know they just move on and try to find something that fits them better you know mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's important in many, many different ways. Now, some of the, just a few of the names that you have mentored and helped bring up, Ben Maids, Clayton Chapman, Colin Duggan, Kane Atkinson. I mean, we are talking about some real, like, who's who of Omaha chefs here. And we've got another great one sitting right here in Danny. Danny, just how important, when you look back at your career and, and how you've ascended now to you know, your status at the Boiler Room, which is one of the most well-known restaurants in Omaha, how important was that mentorship in your career? Not not even specifically from Glenn, but just in general, how important is the, the role of a mentor in cooking? Um, I would say really, really important to me. Um, granted, that chef just said that he takes in very young cooks when I started working with Glenn. You know, I couldn't take you. I couldn't tell you a difference between a New York strip and a fillet. Uh-huh. That's how green I was. Um, and then from that point on, he mentored me up to uh, not only knowing like very like basic cookery, but also to teach me of like how to treat people more than anything as well. Um, and so that's helped me out now that I'm in a sous chef position to help younger cooks. 
um, do that. Um, when I judge the high school invitation as well, I try to do the same, encourage all these uh, younger chefs. Um, I feel like as well at the boiler room from Tim Nicholson, uh, he mentors me in, like Chef said, in business perspective where it's like, okay, where I'm going to mentor you, like how to order things, how to properly, uh, you know, uh, maintain the freshness, food costs, food costs, all those, all those items that, all those things that you don't really think about it as a young cook. As a young cook, you're just really focused on like learning how to cook well. And then from that point on, it goes to the next step of like, okay, well now I need to not maybe order 50 pounds of fish that I don't, I'm not going to use in a whole week. So mm-hmm. it, I feel like that mentoring is very, very highly important as a young cook. Yes. Now you mentioned how <laughs> green you were when you first met Glenn and going back and doing a little bit of research, I saw you went to culinary school at Metro, but that was in 2017. You started at Spencer's, I believe in 2013. Mm-hmm. So well before what, what got you into cooking and what got you into that Spencer's kitchen originally? Um, so I did start, I initially started culinary school in 2012, which was oh, okay. prior to working at Spencer's. At this point, I'm still working at a fast food restaurant. Um, and then what pretty, pretty much got me into it was, uh, I'd say probably family. Um, my parents, more than anything, uh, getting a divorce around that time. So cooking was kind of like on my like outlet Mm -hmm. and little did I realize how much I really enjoy doing all of this Um, for then it became a hobby. Then it became just my passion. Um, So I just kind of like escalated from that. Um, I participated in the culinary team um, in my high school from Northwest. um, And I also did the culinary team in uh, Metro as well. What was your first position at Spencer's? Like, uh, how, how did you apply? How did you get involved there? Actually, it was because of my good friend, Ben Boswick. He sent me a message, and he said if I would like a part-time job. I said yes right away. Um, so then I went to go talk to Glenn, and, uh, you know, he told me to come stage to see if I really liked it or not. Um, it was a matter of days that I went to go stage right away, and then I just kind of fell in love with the pace, with the calls, with just everything like the fact of me putting something in a plate rather than a wrapper. Mm-hmm. So that was like a big, <laughs> that was a big change for me. Now, for people who don't know, what, what is a stage and why was that so important in helping you make your decision that you wanted to work at um, A stage is basically an internship, right? You go and you learn tons from kitchens. Um, some stages can be paid, some stages don't. Um, normally for me, I don't really expect to get paid because I'm getting a lot more from the outcome mm-hmm. after I'm done with my stage. Um, it was very important because, like I said, I got to see a whole new different scenario of where I was used to. Um, I've done quite a bit of stages around here in Omaha as well as in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, and like I said, the outcome is a lot more It's a lot more. Uh, than just, like, getting actual pay, uh, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Glenn, what do you remember about meeting Danny for the first time? Uh, the funny thing is, is when I when he applied at Spencer's, <clears throat> it actually wasn't the first time I'd ever met him. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and we didn't know until later till we started talking, but I actually was uh, I actually was one of the judges when of the uh, – high school invitational when his team was um, participating a few years prior to this. No way. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so I had judged his team. Did he win? 
Oh, I did. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, there was like when I so I did the two years. The second year I was with the career center, and I believe we won the fr- uh, the best um, first course. Okay, and that's okay. the one I judged. With yeah. the, you were with career center. Mm-hmm. Okay, Terrell so and them guys. So there yeah. was a positive relationship, even yeah. if you guys yeah. didn't know it yet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then, uh, uh, you know, later on talking too, uh, we were plating. Um, I was helping plate the uh, <laughs> Hall of Fame banquet at uh, Metro one year, and uh, we just were talking at work one night like about hot plates and stuff. I'm like, man, and he goes, yeah, chef. He's like, you remember that time when we were plating uh, the Hall of Fame dinner? I was right beside you, and we had two pairs of gloves on, and and Brian had got those plates so darn hot. And I was like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, you were standing yeah, right, next, right to next, to next to me. It's funny. Um, yeah. yeah, little did, did we know. We <laughs> yeah. were like futuristically, we were gonna meet. Yeah, and I recognized his like face. I never really knew his name, but when I went and walked in suspense, I was like, I remember you. You were right next to me uh-huh. in the Hall of Fame. But <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah, it's 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 ironic. Um, like for instance, uh, I'll show you the tie-in. So. Tony Soto um, is someone who worked for me when he was 18 at first um, at Omaha Prime. Mm -hmm. Um, He went on uh, to work at the Flatiron and other places, and and then he actually worked at – he was executive chef at 360. Well, Tim, um, who is his – Tim Nicholson. Uh, Tim Nicholson. Tim um, came up under Tony. Um, Tony, you know, mentored him at 360. And then Tim ended up, you know, going on and boiler room now. Daniel works for, Daniel's work for Tony, myself, and Tim. (laughs) So it's funny how things can intertwine over the years. Mm -hmm. Now, Danny, what was your starting position? At, at Spencer's, were you on the line? Were you d- dishwasher? Like, where did you start at? I started part time uh, on pantry. Okay, on the cold side, yes. And obviously, you know, this was a big shift for you because you know you were talking about going from putting things in wrappers to mm-hmm. putting things on plates. Mm-hmm. What what were those first weeks and months like for you? Like, did you take to it immediately and just be like, "This is amazing! I love doing this," or was it, you know, kind of more of a slow love that built? Oh, no. It was right away. Like, I instantly got hooked into the line. Like this, said, the calls. Um, I would say starting at a fast food restaurant definitely puts that, like, sense of, um, what am I trying urgency. to say? Urgency. Speed. Sense of urgency. Like, speed. Exactly, speed. So then when I got there, I kind of had that, but it was, like, learning to kind of slow down, learning to do really fast, and then doing a little things a lot more with more details on there. Uh, definitely, like I said, the calls where you have to watch your French fries instead of just dropping and pressing button, and then they can tell you when they're done. But <laughs> it was it was a lot different, but definitely, definitely love it mm-hmm. ever since the beginning. Yeah, he went, he went, he went, just skyrocketed. I, he started. I only had a part time position when he started, but I want to say within two weeks, maybe maybe three weeks. It was very soon. Um, I think maybe somebody else had left or something more hours. He was full time within the first month for sure. And then, um, 
you know, he went, it's funny how he says, because he, he has, uh, at one time, he had one only one speed, and that was overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then he went to saute. We started training him on saute. And, I mean, I mean, he, he, could, he probably did um, the work of, like, two people in less time. Um, but then... We're we're in a fine dining atmosphere where you're timing each mm-hmm. station so that everything comes together. We a lot of times, a lot of times there, I had to slow them down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, Daniel. Uh, we're not ready for that. You got to listen for the. You got to listen for the call. You got to, um, you know, just you got to time it so that your food's coming up with the broiler station food. So. Uh, that's things that he's learned over the years and now, you know, but he was just like a sponge. Um, he, when he says he, he was the passion, unbelievable, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Not sure that I've seen more passion in, a, um, in an individual, uh, in my career, to tell you the truth. I can't, can't think of anybody that surpasses it. So I can't even imagine how many... <coughs> you know, part-time employees or, you know, just cooks who have come on for a little bit or whatever that you've seen in your career that, you know, don't go on to have great cooking careers or anything, maybe don't even stay in the industry. And then when you have an individual like Danny come along who quickly, you know, stands out like that, like, when did you realize, oh, shoot, this kid is something different? Like, this could be something special. Yeah, pretty, pretty, I think pretty... Pretty early on. I mean, um, I want to say probably within the first six months because, I mean, everything he did was it just impressed me. I mean, he not only did, you know, he took he took on that role. um, Then he decided to go back to school Mm -hmm. and uh, he went back to school. So he's going to school. Um, you know, helping take care of the family, working. I mean, just his work ethic was just uh, unmatched, like I said. So, and he got it. I mean, he, he was, it was natural, really. I mean, he just, he once we we showed him stuff and um, Tony uh, Soto was on with, he was my chef de cuisine at the time when Daniel first started. Um, you know, he would be like, look, Need to do it like this. You're doing this. I mean, he he was tough on him at sometimes. Oh yeah. But uh, and he he wrote him, but he got it. It's just like it's just he got it. You know, he he was he was just a natural, really. I mean, he's just like a sponge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So and then like he said, you know, later on after um, a couple years, um, he he had family in Chicago. So when he was going to visit, he's like, "Chef, can you you get me any 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 restaurants there to stage and stuff?" So we started that, and he did a couple on his own too. And I mean, he's worked for with some great chefs um, all over the place. Even went to South Carolina a few years back and yeah, worked at Husk. Mm-hmm. Um, with John Brock, yeah. So and he he set that all up by himself, you know. But after he got the hang of it. <laughs> It was you fun. know, but yeah. What was that experience like? I, I don't know exactly when that was, so maybe Sean Brock wasn't like a celebrity chef yet, but like oh, yeah. imagine, he, yeah. he was he was there already. What was that experience like? Uh, honestly, that's probably their um, 
their hospitality there is like anywhere else I've seen it. Like normally the new guy comes in and you have to go introduce to yourself, to everybody. It's like, hey, I'm Danny. I'm from Nebraska normally. Uh, and at that place, within the 15 minutes, like everybody had come to me and they're like, oh, what's your name? Or, you know, like really welcoming. And I, funny story, I had a really bad experience with an Airbnb in South Carolina. And I have family. I had one of my uncles live in North Carolina. So that's like three and a half hours away. So, uh -huh. you know. The first night I had my Airbnb, unfortunately, I had the stage right starting right at uh, that day. So I wasn't able to check in until it was like probably midnight when we got out the restaurant. At this point, the guy that had my Airbnb was out. Um, so he gave me these like weird instructions, never found the key, never was able to get into my Airbnb. So I had to get like uh, towards like the nearest hotel, which was really expensive, really bad experience. But the next day I told one of the cooks and she was like, well, if you don't have anywhere to stay, you can come stay at my place. Oh. So that was like really, really nice of those people. Um, the food there, like if there's a cuisine that I'm not quite familiar, too familiar with is definitely Southern cuisine. So going there was definitely helpful and like very, very fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I want to open this question up to both of you guys because it's kind of a, a very broad question, but one that I think is important. You know, we talk about just this word mentorship, and I feel like that's such a big word, and so much can, co can go into that. I guess I just want a better understanding of exactly what that looks like inside of a kitchen because obviously during service, things are go, go, go. Like there's not time to – Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is time to pull somebody aside and teach them something. Or maybe you just have to, you know, during service, you just have to, everybody has to be on their game. There's no time for learning. Like, what does mentorship mean and look like to you guys? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree with that. Um, during uh, during actual service, there's, there's not a lot of, I mean, you can't take, you can't uh, upset or, you know, break up the guest experience so everything has to continue on mm -hmm. um you know other than you know giving some directions you know you you shouldn't have did that or you did this wrong or hey that's great you did a great job um most of it has to come um before and after uh the shift pretty much um you know and it, it's it can be difficult too especially when you're um really really busy uh, you know, you've got a lot of working parts um, in the in the deal. But the best way, you know, to uh, I think one of the major parts of mentorship is um, leading by example. Um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of uh, the young cooks that really want to learn, um, you know, they're keeping an eye on the people in front of them. So if they have good work habits and, you know, it's, it's, you know, like he said earlier, uh, treat people, how you deal with situations, um, you know, things can get heated in the kitchen sometimes. It's gotten way, 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 way better than it used to be. I mean, you know, when I started off, it was front of the house against the back of the house. Mm -hmm. You didn't, you didn't talk to them. They were your enemy. Um, you, you can't have a successful restaurant like that, uh, you know, and uh, strive if uh, everybody's not working together as a team. So uh, I think it's a lot, a lot to do with, um, you know, taking the time, answering the questions that they have, 
Um, you see something that needs to be corrected, you correct it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <clears throat> and you, you mainly, you know, make sure you teach them the proper way, um, you know, or, you know, the best that you're, to your ability, because we don't all, uh, you know, I don't claim to be Mr. Perfect or mm-hmm. what have you, know how to do everything. I'm still learning to this day uh, on certain things. So I think that's the best thing is just to uh, lead by example, answer the questions when they are asked, uh, be respectful. You, you never treat anybody, um, you know, like it didn't matter. You know, it didn't matter where Danny worked at before he got there. Uh, you know, you're in this kitchen now. Uh, that's a trouble. You know, I used to, and I prefer um, people that don't have a lot of experience nowadays. I used to be really? totally opposite mm-hmm. because it used to be you look for the most experienced cook. You get all these applications. Like, oh, he's worked here. He's worked here. Well, with all them years, a lot you know what happens? A lot of the cooks who didn't take it seriously or just worked in the industry for a paycheck, uh, along with those years, they learned a lot of bad habits. Mm-hmm. And bad habits are hard to break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's something, I mean, you get, if you, if you get application and for the more, more times than not, um, of someone that's, you know, just say 40 or 35, 40. Um, they've been working for, say, 15 years in the business. And they come in there, they can tell you, they tell you they, they've done it all. Mm-hmm. They did, they've did everything. They can do anything. Um, but then, you know, if they don't have, and a lot of times this is how it's worked out, in my opinion, um, that... You know, they come in there and they say they can do everything. And then you have to you say, well, why would you do that? And, oh, that's the way I've always done it, you know. <laughs> so sometimes, uh, I mean, nowadays I, I look for uh, more attitude um, and willingness uh, to learn than experience age doesn't make a difference. I mean, because there's people that are 40 and that want to bust their butt and really make a change and do something and learn it and learn the craft. And But it's more about the attitude and willingness to learn, I think, than anything. Danny, I saw you You were nodding very heavily <laughs> during that answer. I'm assuming you agree that oh, w- yeah. when, it, when it comes to hiring someone and now you're in that position where you are kind of in that leadership role you're looking for someone who maybe even if they don't have as much experience it's more about that that drive and that desire to learn definitely i'd say i really agree with that answer because attitude from one is is one thing and for me to be able to teach you is another you know like if you have that willingness i can teach you anything that you want or that i know at least from my end but if you're not willing to catch all that and you're going to, like, uh, reply in a different manner because you've done it a different way, then that's just kind of, like, that puts it into to the word mentorship, I'd say, because then at that point it's like, well, what am I really doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like he said, there's definitely, for me, at least when I took over the sous, 
the sous chef spot at the boiler room, it was a little difficult because I have a lot of friends that work there that I've met in culinary school. So there's just that fine line between I love you. You're my best friend. (laughs) We met from school, but this is work. So there's just that fine line. And you also just got to learn how to talk to them properly because there are some people who really get upset by the, by the minority thing that you can say. And then that just, that just brings chaos and heat in the kitchen. And that's the last thing you want in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You want just everybody to get along, not only back of the house, but front of the house too. And that's the big thing that I like about a boiler room when we do the menu meeting, when we do staff meal for everybody, it's like we talk about things. Um, and then we also, if there's like something, for example, like our changing room, like we properly tell them like, hey, you know, like maybe help us clean. Maybe it's not fair for one person to do it all the time, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I'm really interested here because, you know, you guys both talked about like dealing with people who maybe have a little too much experience Without naming any names, we don't want to call anyone out here, but can you guys maybe give me a story of a time when you hired someone and somebody came in and they they maybe knew a little bit too much or they thought they knew a little bit too much and it maybe didn't work out or you had to, had to knock them down a peg or two? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to roll a deck to those stories. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few. I don't know if I could really peg one that uh... – Oh, that's okay. It, I mean, I've, I've, I've had experiences that um, the cooks went to, uh, they went to um, CIA, Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, and, uh, and they come in and they can barely flip a hamburger. <laughs> I'm like, well, what did, you, didn't, you didn't listen in culinary school because it's a great school. I know it is. I said, but uh, somehow, you know, you got you got passed along through there without mm-hmm. without really learning anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really have. I mean, I can't pinpoint a exact uh, instance. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, but it, it happens. It definitely happens. So but I, you know, I think we get more good. We get more good ones than bad. Me? I mean, it didn't. It. Definitely didn't happen hiring somebody. It just happened to me when I became Sue because there was people prior at Boiler Room who knew a lot more how the restaurant operated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just, it, it wasn't really that they had a, like we had to put him a notch down, but like just um, like you said, it, w- it was kind of a, a little hard transition for me, for me to be able to tell like somebody who's been there a lot longer than me, just like, hey, what, can you do this differently or Something along those lines. And he's like, well, this is how we've always done it. I'm like, I understand that. But, you know, there's always room for change. I understand not to break a system that always works, but there's always room for change and mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Now, going back a little bit, Glenn, you said after about six months, you could really tell that, you know, Danny was, he was a rising star. And he was something, you know, different than most of the cooks you see come through your kitchen. What specifically did you do to kind of help elevate him? Like, are you, before service, are you pulling him aside and showing him different things? Are you just, you know, going out of your way to encourage him when he does things well? Like, once you identify that he's something special, what what do you do to kind of, like, help him grow? Um, I think, I, you know, his interest was, was peaked so high that, um, you know, I would show him, uh, different cookbooks, uh, 
I'd show him different cookbooks and say, you know, I try to get what uh, spark his interest, um, which I can let after I get, he can answer this because he's actually followed his passion after, um, you know, learning all the basics and everything. Uh, he's he's uh, now following and uh, his passions, and he, he can tell you about that. But, um, yeah, definitely talking off before prep. Um, we we just talk about all things food, uh, all things the industry. Um, did you see this? Did you watch this? Um, are you interested in this? I took him on many fundraising uh Events, events, events that uh, that I did over the how long were you with five years? Uh, three, three, three years, half, three and a half, three and a half years. Yeah. Ben was with me five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, adding to that question, probably like he said, when I started off, that I was like really young and didn't really know much about the culinary world. Like I remember that's when. Uh, I first ever heard from Glenn and from Tony about the Bacuse Dior mm-hmm. and kind of started following those kind of people and then started getting me like just uh, new trends of food that they would like always talk about and all of that stuff just kind of like he said he got me sparked up and then especially when he encouraged me to do stages um, he I remember the first stage ever out of the state that I did was at MK which is Unfortunately, not closed with uh, Eric Williams, right? The chef. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went to go stage there, and he was the guy who set me up for that one. So just those things that really triggered me to want more. Like I was always that guy that like wanted more. You know, I was the guy that showed up early, left the last one, and those. I think those things like really kind of stood me out of the crowd, um, as well as like just the amount of staging that I would do because. Um, even at Boiler Room, normally we do, we close for that one, uh, week of January and instead of me taking a week off, I'd go to a restaurant and stash. Mm -hmm. Like I'd always, I, the first, I'd say five years of my career, like never really stopped, just wanted to go, 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 started sprinting really fast. And I don't know, that's probably why I guess I kind of stood out from the crowd, but yeah. Started letting him practice his, he, he, uh, he, when he was on the culinary team, um, at Metro, um, he had he was in charge of certain dishes that were going to be for the competition and stuff. So I'm like, well, let's let's do it. Let's do it for pre-feed menu on the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I remember there was a trout dish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that one right off. He's like, so can you get me in uh, this, 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 that? This is what I need ex- <laughs> exactly. So, and he he practiced his dish, and you know we put it on the menu and let him do stuff like that. So yeah, definitely, definitely a pre-fee allowance was one of the biggest, biggest things, biggest, just, uh, I don't know, things that encouraged me to do things outside of the regular menu. Mm -hmm. And that for me was like really, really cool. It's like, I've never had the allowance to do just dishes on my own. I would follow certain guidelines. We'd prep it a certain way, but when the pre-fee came, he would tell me, he's like, Hey, you want to do a dish or two for the pre-fee? And, that was like really exciting for me. I was like, yes, I'd love to. And, you know, I would go out my way or come in a little early to start these prepping dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I started at Mexique, I returned and he told me, he's like, I want you to do a whole preview menu based on like Mexican theme because that's what they were doing at Mexique. Oh, wow. Uh, so th- that allowance definitely 
definitely um, helped me into growing. And then, you know, not every single dish was the best that I put out, but that's how I was learning and that's how he was mentoring me. And I'd have chef try it and then he's like, well, it maybe needs a little more salt, maybe needs a little more acid or, you know, here uh-huh. and there. So that first time when, or maybe even the first couple times when he gives you the opportunity to put together some pre-feed dishes, what was that feeling for you like? Because I'm sure that there's a ton of excitement because it's like, yes, I get to actually, you know, create my own dish. This is exciting. But then there also has to be a ton of nerves where it's like, this is my chance. I yeah. can't screw this up. This has to be perfect. What was that like for you? Yeah, like you said, the, the excitement was definitely there. The nerve-wracking of meeting the standards that we had and not letting those down. Um, but as well as trying to cultivate what I've, like my focus is on in terms of taking on food. Um, what that is, is I've been mainly focusing on very, very traditional Mexican food. Mm-hmm. I've done um, my rices pop-ups, and that's kind of what I've been doing all along uh so for when that came along it was just like that excitement of me able to express myself through that and through the dishes through the flavors um and then like you said it was just a little bit of uh being nervous just because this dish was going to be sold at the public or the guest and so i just didn't i i just didn't want to fail mm-hmm. that was the biggest thing but you know uh, throughout the years it's like you know failing is a part of learning mm-hmm now, Glenn, the first time you came on the podcast, and this was whew, probably five or six months ago now. Sometime you, during shutdown. Yes. You described <laughs> yourself as boisterous, kind of like a you, – you talked about growing up in sports, and you know it was kind of the, the old coaching philosophy, like my way or the highway. That was your leadership style. And you, you said that you've kind of mellowed out in more recent years and, and become more nurturing. But I, I want to hear it from Danny. Danny, what, <laughs> what, what, was, what was Chef's attitude like during your time in the kitchen? And kind of how would you describe his leadership style overall? You know, definitely mellow. Definitely very mellow. I, I remember him telling me a couple stories of when, like, his younger days when he was, like, you know, the chef that, like, you were kind of scared of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, to put it in other words. Uh, but uh, definitely, like, that mellow, that teaching more like that almost like father-like son kind of relationship that I kind of build with him. Um, just me being so green and him shaping me kind of like in the really good habits that he wanted me to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was definitely a big part of him mentoring me um, at that kitchen, being my first kitchen ever. Uh, um, yeah, and he was, I mean, I couldn't exp- I couldn't express in a bad way from him in any yeah. way, shape, or form because there just wasn't. There was maybe a couple times where maybe – you know, the cooks, the young cooks, we were just, like, horsing around, and he'd, like, lose his temper a couple times. But mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, everybody's going to do that when you're, like, trying to get stuff done and, and you know, the cooks aren't listening to you. So, yeah, other than that, it was pretty – he was pretty pretty encouraging more than anything. You know, he would, he would encourage me. Like he said, he did purchase me a very, very strong book that up to date I still refer to, and that is um, – Mexico Inside Out from Enrique Olvera, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably one of my best idol chefs that I follow on anywhere. Um, so he bought me that book, and that was probably the best gift that I've received in a very long time. I want to open this question up to both you guys because, Glenn, obviously you've been in leadership positions for a long time, and Danny, you are now. How do you find that balance as a leader of the kitchen between being that nurturing person who is really trying to help people grow and having patience, but also understanding that 
you guys have a job and a very timely job and it has to be done. It has to be done right. So you can't just, you know, you don't want to berate people necessarily for mistakes, but you also have to make sure that mistakes don't happen. So how do you kind of walk that line between being nurturing and being encouraging, but also kind of, I don't know, bring the hammer down is the right term, but like make sure people are doing stuff and they're not messing around and they are getting it. How do you walk that line? Dan, um, Daniel go first. <laughs> uh, it's it's definitely the way you talk to people, I'd say. Definitely, definitely the way you talk to people. Um, you get your point across, and Chef said, you lead by example more than anything because if you're not doing it, you can't expect anybody to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, is there a certain schedule or certain rules that we all follow by those guidelines? Um, so for me to just demand a lot, it just... I don't feel comfortable because then it's like I don't want my my friends to be think I'm that that guy that is only demanding and I'm not contributing to the team because we're a team. Without the team, there's no restaurant, and I think I'm a strong believer of that. Um, so that's why I contribute with I try to as much as with the front of the house from the back of the house. And like I said, it, it's more of like how you talk to people, how you accomplish a, a common goal that we're all gonna be happy for. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think uh, also if you if you assemble uh, a good kitchen team, a good team, good team regardless, um, and if they have respect for you um, as a leader, uh, they know they know what is right from wrong, and they know what um, needs to be done, and you know they may stray away, and you might have to. Um, you know, talk to them about what have you. Um, but in their hearts, they know, hey, you're right. And and, and I've apologized for a lot, I mean, because I'll jump on somebody sometimes, you know. It may be, I mean, may be way out of line, not knowing the circumstances or something like that. And I'm not afraid to apologize. I'm not going to apologize if I'm right, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, I yeah, I mean, I think it's just a respect issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you, and you never talk, like you said, you, you don't, you, tr- you try not to ever talk to anybody like in a condescending manner. Um, you know, just, Hey, you know, that's not right. This is how you do it. Um, I expect better next time. You just kind of take that coaching, you know, going back to sports, you know, it's just like, you know, I played sports, you know, all my life, uh, Growing up, and you know the coaches uh, learned a lot. Of, I think I learned a lot of things from uh, you know some of my best coaches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just the way they dealt with people and talked to people, and then there was other coaches that were pure D a holes, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. um, that didn't know how to talk to people. And then you don't have a lot of respect for them um, if that if that's the case. Mm-hmm. So I think again, it's leading by example. It's, uh, but it is a fine line, though. Um, definitely, on uh, you know, trying to get both having you know keep everybody cohesive and get things done, and uh, you know, and nowadays, you know, we're we're just living in a whole different world right now with COVID and the restaurants. You know, mm-hmm. everything's slowed down so tremendously. So, you know, it's now it's a, a fact of watching labor and all that good stuff. Yeah. So it's tough. 
does does maybe this slow down time give you more of a chance to kind of work with younger younger cooks and younger people and kind of develop them more? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've got more time on our hands now than we've ever had in a long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's definitely an opportunity to uh, work with individuals on, uh, you know, mentoring them to whatever, mm-hmm. you know, to advance, though. That's the main thing. Uh, Glenn, I want to ask you about something that I imagine is a really tough balance for executive chefs. And that's when you see someone like Danny and you're mentoring him, you're growing him, you're taking him to events, you're helping him set up stages, all this. You probably know in the back of your mind that you are developing him for another job that is not at your restaurant. And so... I imagine that there's this really tough balance in your mind where it's like, I've got Danny. He is awesome. He is a great part of my kitchen. I love having him around. He's so good. But on the other hand, you're just like, you know, I, I also want to develop him, you know, to to go on to, to bigger things, to potentially, you know, to run his own kitchen someday. Like, how hard is that balance between, like, wanting to develop someone so much and see them succeed, but also you don't want to lose them? Um. I mean, it's it's really hard at times, uh, for sure. You never want to see them go, but if the, if if you're doing your job right, you know, there's only so far you can go in one kitchen. Mm-hmm. So you have to explore other opportunities. And as I'm always of the belief that as long as you're going, in, at, at least you know, in in my eyes, if you're you know moving on to advance, um, learn something different, not necessarily a position, you know, you may not be moving to a sous chef position or head chef, head chef position. Um, but maybe you're going to, you know, a different style of restaurant Mm -hmm. to learn as long as you're going to continue on. Um, you know, I, I think my job's done. It's hard. Not going to lie. Um, I've had some really good cooks that I've really hated to see go, but, um, it would be selfish of me, um, you know, to not let them go. Uh, of course, I don't have any control over that, but I mean, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's it's tough, definitely, um, when they go. But I think if you if you if you um, have done your job right, um, they'll always remember, you, you know, they'll always remember you as the leader. They'll always respect you. Um, they'll, I can call the, I've, I've called him on his day off before we were short and he came and worked at Spencer's. (laughs) He came and covered a saute shift, not even knowing the new menu. You know, it wasn't the the same menu that he was, (laughs) he was like, you know, some of it was the same, but like all the seasonal changes were all changed and he came in there and just ran it like a champ. But, um, I've called on. Uh, people and they always, you know, Colin Duggan, uh, Dan Watts, Tony Soto, Daniel, Ben Boss, they've all, I can call them, say, and if they're able to, they always, you know, help me out or either participate in something that I'm trying to do. So, you know, it, it's just something you, 
it that happens. It's not it's not easy. It's not easy losing someone that you've uh, put a lot of time and effort into, mm-hmm. and uh, but you want them to see you want to see them continue. The ultimate goal is to get these guys. You know, the ultimate goal is to you know have this man own his own restaurant someday or mm-hmm. or whatever he wants to do. I mean, uh, you know, whatever's in his future. You know, it's like he started his his pop ups, um, and they next time whenever we're able to do one again, if he oh, no we we <laughs> whenever he's able to do one again, um, you definitely should go because I've seen you. You guys have been sharing the memories on Facebook the yeah, last yeah. couple of days, and it's yeah. been making me very hungry. Thanks a lot. I just, <laughs> I mean, his. You know, I think at one point in time, you know, he was like. I, I would ask him all about his family's recipes and where they came from, the city, and what have you. And I'd like to think that I sparked some of that. And then when he went to work uh, with Carlos in Chicago, uh, that definitely uh, – the chef, uh, he actually is from the same town as Daniel that he went and staged for, so that was a big – big boost for him but I'm like you know you can people don't give um, ethnic foods in general enough respect as um, related to like fine dining or elevated dining Mm -hmm. Um, you know when they think of Mexican food they think of a bunch of cheese covering something or Mm -hmm. what have you and there it's it's so much more complex and not you know he's done a phenomenal. I've been to two, three, three, I think. three of your three of your pop ups, and just amazing. You know the creativity that you know he'll take a um, a traditional dish they grew up eating and just elevate it to boom. I mean fine dining status. So it's good to see. Danny, can you expand on that a little bit? Just like dispel the notion here when when the general public, you know, like Glenn just said, when they think about Mexican food, they think about, you know, just ground beef and lettuce and tomatoes (laughs) and a taco shell. But it's so much more kind of what what do you want to do with Mexican food and how do you think you can speak through it? Definitely pay the respect to it. Mm -hmm. Definitely pay the respect because there's a lot of knowledge that are that is actually behind it, you know, Um Definitely the first time that I ever saw Mexican food being in a fine dining place was Tony Soto. He did a tequila dinner. And he had things like mole, like carnitas, all these things that I knew how to make him. And I was seeing them in a plate very, very presentable. I was like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. This is so awesome. Like, if he can do that, what can I not do? Because I know a lot of Mexican food. Because I grew up with it. You know, and that is the exact same food that I put out in pop-ups. Like... A couple of dishes that came from my mother when I was growing up as a kid, you know, home food that you would never expect it to be in a restaurant. And then somehow I find those flavors really interesting and then put them in a fine dining perspective. Um, with that being said, I don't want to just tell you like, oh, well, this is going to be, you know, a little like, for example, a soup. I don't want to serve you a soup that's not going to taste the exact same. Maybe tweak out a little bit of preparations, maybe cut the dice really perfect. And that's how I want to serve it because there's certain items that you just you don't want to mess around too much with because then it just lose the integrity of the dish. 
Um, with that being said, like there's a lot of street food in Mexico that's also really delicious. Mm -hmm. And so that's the food that people don't really commonly see here um, just because they're ser they're really served in the mercados, which is, you know, the uh, like farmer's market, if essentially. And that's where like really, really tasty food is developed. Mm -hmm. Looking back, if you like if you could go back and tell yourself that you know the version of danny that is working in fast food restaurants and that just started working at spencer's that sometime later he was going to be doing mexican fine dining pop-up dinners and, and working at a restaurant like the boiler room and working at spencer's like how surprised do you think that version of yourself would be very 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 <laughs> surprising i mean honestly i think i would just I second guess myself. I wasn't confident enough to where to just go downtown and ask for any job at any restaurant. If I would have done that at a sooner age, I think I could have I could have started this way younger. Um I was nineteen years old when I started at Spencer's. Granted I could have even been a dishwasher at sixteen and would have worked my way up from there, but the fact that I was just a little a little scared I'd say to not be able to meet standards to a restaurant because the only really restaurants that I've seen is like movies mm -hmm. and you know the chefs like yelling at you and all these like I just had those ideas in my mind and it wasn't until like that my friend Ben like I said he he sent me a message I went in talked to him and then just seeing the atmosphere that really was happening and that just kind of drew me in but it was very surprising for me to see myself from you know 16 17 years old working at fast food to you know fast forward 10 years later here I am now that you're in a leadership position and you're leading a team of cooks, do you see in yourself and in your leadership style some of the ways or some of the things that Glenn did and some of the ways that he treated you? Do you kind of see that playing forward into how you treat people? Uh, yes. I. The biggest thing that I love about Glenn is how many charities he does, how mm, much mm -hmm. stuff he does give the community. Um, that is the one big thing that remarks chefs out because you can be the best chef, but you can also not be greedy with the food. You got to give to an order in order to uh, um, expand more, not just for yourself, but for everybody else, I'd say, because the biggest thing is like being really selfish. And I've met a couple of people that like don't even like to give out recipes because for some reason, and you know, I'm just like, well, you know, we're all not going to live forever. We're not going to be young forever. So let's pass these on for these to live throughout the year. So that's that's definitely definitely what encouraged me to be like him. Mm -hmm. And Glenn, I know that you're not a prideful guy, and you you don't look at you know bringing up all these young chefs and be like, yeah, that was me. I did that. I know that's not what you. <laughs> that's not how you are. That's not what you do. But when you look at you know the careers of some of the people that you've mentored and some of the people that you brought up, I guess just how rewarding is a feeling of a feeling is that for you uh it's very rewarding uh you know as i get older i i sit back and think about um different people and what they're doing and how they're contributing to um the culinary community uh where they're at what have you and uh it, it makes me feel good it makes me feel good um you know especially the ones that you know, we had really positive uh, interactions with and uh, spent some time together. Um, there is, it, it's, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of humbling, you know, um, when I, you look around. I mean, I've, sometimes I forget, I like, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, he worked for me like 
15 years ago, mm-hmm. you know. John Ray's one I don't often think about who's executive chef at Via Farina. I just had him and on. Like M's ago, and, yeah. you know, John, John worked for me at Liberty, Ta- uh, Liberty uh, Tavern in 2004. We called him Two Minute John. <laughs> he was working saute. Every time I said, John, how much longer on the chicken? Two minutes, chef. <laughs> how much longer on the pork chop, John? Two minutes, chef. <laughs> One day I hit the, the hit the thing uh, the uh, counter really loud and I said, "John, let's make it one minute." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and some 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 people that go really way back, uh, um, definitely, you know, uh, Tony Soto, um, Colin Duggan, um, Pete Garcia uh, at at J Coco's. Mm-hmm. It's funny because me and Jen, we have a ongoing joke. It's just funny. She goes, she always says, you know, Pete's worked for me for way more many years, but he always says you're his mentor. <laughs> you taught him, you taught him everything. Uh-huh. And I said, well, Jen, you know, you taught him a few things along the way, definitely. But uh, it's 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 good to see. Um, you know, I mean, people like even I. One one I really forget all the time, Matt Mosier from Sternella. Oh, yeah. Matt That's worked fantastic. with me, not for a long time, but uh, way back in 90, I guess it had been like 97 or something like that, um, before he went off. I think he went off to culinary school, I believe. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's good, to, it's, it's good to see. I mean, it just um, – it just – you know, proves to me that I've done some things right, and and you know, as far as uh, mentoring and helping uh, the cooks along to mm-hmm. more than push them to say, hey, you know, you can, you know, this is what you can accomplish if you really work hard enough. Mm-hmm. Um, if you start chasing money, um, that's one thing I always told guys growing up. You start chasing money. You know, because you'll get that. Used to, not so much anymore, but used to get that all the time. Well, he's going to pay me $13 an hour. You're only making $10 an hour. You got to do what you got to do. I said, but, you know, you're going to a subpar kitchen in my eyes. Um, So I always try to discourage that. It, it, but if you're going somewhere where I know you're going to learn more, or, then that makes me happy. Well, it's like Danny talked about. I mean, sometimes, you know, the best learning you can do is a stage where you're not getting paid anything, but right. you're getting paid in knowledge, not mm-hmm. dollars. And that, in terms of long term, is much more important than that extra $3 an hour or whatever. Yep. Um, and everybody's situation is different. So, yeah. you know, I understand that, too. It's just that all the... All the great cooks that I've I've seen come up, they've uh, they've not chased the dollar and they've more chased the learning possibilities and art of the craft. Absolutely. Well, I we're up against it on time. I thank you guys both so much for coming in today, giving me some of your time, talking about mentorship, talking about leadership. I think that it's so important for people to kind of look beyond the plate and understand the people that are making their food and and the experiences they've had, where they've come from. And I think you guys have shed a lot of light on that today. So 
thank you very much for doing that. I really appreciate it. Thank it's my pleasure. I'm, it was thank a good you. good topic, I think, to talk about. I was, I was excited when you asked me to talk about the, the topic. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, thanks for having us. Thank you. Yep, the pleasure is all mine. Omaha, as always, thanks for eating with us.